just confess before you, Lord, in your presence this morning that we truly, Lord, we are the poor and powerless. God, I, I am the poor and powerless. Lord, we, we just have no ability, Lord, to change ourselves apart from you. And, and Father, um, I know that all you ask is, is just for us to reach out our hand, to cry out for mercy. Um, and Lord, we do, but Father, I just, I, I feel almost just incapable of even doing that this morning. Lord, I feel like I can barely lift my hand at all to grab hold of yours, even though you're reaching down. And Father, I just pray that, Lord, you would draw near this morning and that you would raise us up. Father, that even for those that feel this morning like they're that guy that was paralyzed for 38 years, John 5, laying by the pool of Bethesda, and, um, and they can't get up, they can't, can't get to where they want to be to try to find healing. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would come so close this morning. I just pray that you would come so near and that you would please meet us. God, you know, it's not like we're telling you anything new, like you know how poor and powerless we really are. And you're more aware of it than even we are this morning. And so, Father, maybe for some, too, that don't know that they're poor and powerless, God, come, draw near, and make us know that we're poor and powerless. But, Father, no matter where each heart is this morning, God, would you please, would you please meet us? Lord Jesus, you are our hope. You are our salvation. You are Jesus. You are the God who saves. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And Lord, we need both those things to be true. We need you to come near, Lord, so that you can save us because, God, we cannot save ourselves. We love you, Jesus. Please be honored and glorified here today. And please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, please help us to continue to worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. If you got your Bibles, grab them. Go to uh, go to First Peter chapter three. Uh, we'll finish up chapter three this morning. You know, I was struck this past week as part of the E two course that um, some people were doing this year. We we have a daily Bible reading plan. Just reading one chapter a day through the New Testament. You read the whole New Testament in a year and. And we journal through it. And I was just so struck this past week. Um, it brought, the reading plan brought us to Matthew. Um, and uh, the birth of Jesus is, you know, being prophesied to Mary by an angel. Uh, and there's, there's two things that, uh, that the angel says. Um, he says that uh, uh, they will have a son and you will, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means, that God saves. And then right after that, the other name uh, that's given, and Matthew says this was to fulfill what was written in Isaiah the prophet, um, that they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And all the names of God in Scripture are given for a reason, but those two just so struck me that Jesus means he will save us from their sins, and Emmanuel that God is with us, that the only way for him to save us, the only way for him to be Jesus was for him to also be Emmanuel, that he had to come near and be with us. Um, how many of you guys are thankful for that this morning? Amen? He's not a God that's far off, but he is a God that draws near. Uh, first, Peter, first Peter chapter 3. Um, this morning we're primarily going to be looking at verses 19, 20, and 21. We looked at this entire section last week, but I left out these verses in the middle uh, because I wanted to come back and uh, just spend a sermon devoted specifically to them because there's a lot of things in it that are, um, the way they're worded are kind of hard to understand, and so it takes a little, a little digging, uh, but it's, it's well worth it. Um, but I want to start in verse 18, and I'll read again through the end of the chapter. It says, For Christ also suffered for sins. We talked about this at length last week, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, 
while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into the heaven and who is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Let's pray one more time. Father, would you please just open the eyes of our heart that we could see wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, One of the negative effects on cultural Christianity in our day is that uh, because we, many of us have grown up in like Sunday school and stuff like that, and Sunday school's good, and vacation Bible school, VBS, backyard Bible clubs, all that stuff. But typically, in those settings, what we learn are Old Testament Bible stories, because there's some neat stories in the Old Testament, right? But one of the effects of that is that we tend to just look at these stories in the Old Testament as just simply that, as just stories, as just kids' Bible stories, okay? And, uh, you know, and I get what we're trying to do, you know, and growing up, how many of you sang like Father Abraham? Remember that song? Yes? And, and, and I, I had to chuckle to myself last night as I was thinking some, just about some of the ridiculousness that we can do sometimes uh, just in, in the church. Is, is that like, th- think about how non-creative we are. Father Abraham had many sons. And we didn't know what else to say, so we just say the same thing backwards. Many sons said, Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then you start moving your arm, Remember? Right arm. Anybody, did anybody else grow up Baptist? I mean, this was me. I don't know. Anybody, you know, you're right. And for some reason, it's like the arm. Then you sing the whole thing again. Father Abraham, many, many sons of Father Abraham. I'm one of them. So you, and now left arm. And now you're like marching. I don't know if you're like marching with Abraham. I don't know. Um, Joshua in the battle of Jericho. Remember how creative we were on that one? Yeah? Joshua in the battle of Jericho. 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 Joshua in the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down, you know. Yeah? Okay. For those of you that didn't grow up in church, you're like, what is happening right now? I don't, I don't understand. I know. But for those of us that did, we get it. Um, <laughs> but we take these, these Old Testament Bible stories, and, uh, and, and man, they, and they are, they're intriguing. And man, the Bible is just an awesome book. Um, and there are all these stories. But, but what tends to happen is we look at these accounts of where God showed up in power and wanted to manifest his, his glory and show his greatness and reveal his nature and his character. And we tend to just relegate them to simple children's stories. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on. You know, you got Abraham, you got Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, you got Jonah in the whale. You know, how many of you can still picture my Growing up, if for some reason the, the, the whale was red on the little flannel graph, you know, that uh, the Sunday school teacher used or whatever. And probably, uh, far and away, one of the most popular stories is that of Noah and the ark. And so many times when we think of Noah and the ark, we might think of something like this. Dave, do we have that picture of uh, Noah and the ark? There it is, yes. How many of you, when you think of Noah and the ark, you think about something like that? Yeah? Yep, of course, you have the giraffes. Uh, the, the pigs are on the roof in this one, apparently. Um, and Noah's wife has hung the laundry out up top. Uh, because it's a nice sunny day, um, and she decided it was a good day to, to dry the laundry. Uh, you can take that. You can take that down. <coughs> Please take it down. <laughs> um, but again, here's the point: is that these aren't just kids' stories. These are the foundation of our faith. These are real accounts of what God, Almighty God, did in real time space history to rescue people and also to bring judgment on people in those times but also to reveal his nature and his character and again zooming out to the context of first peter peter is writing to a people who man they, they don't need bible stories <laughs> they don't need they don't need little songs where you're swinging your arm and just repeating words and And they certainly don't need, you know, just giraffes with long necks, you know, chilling on the boat, you know, like just like they're on a cruise or something. What they need is something to sustain their souls because as we looked last week, Peter is calling them to continue to not back down and to make it clear that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. And last week, the primary command in this passage is that, but in your heart, set apart, honor, adore Christ Jesus as Lord. And 
for Peter's listeners to do that, it was almost certainly going to cost them their comfort, their reputation, and even quite possibly for many of them their, their life. And so they don't, need, they don't need Bible stories. They need, they need truth about Almighty God to give them strength and to fuel their faith and to continue to believe and to press on and finish the race well and live a life where they will one day hear God say, well done, good and faithful, good and faithful servant. And one of the ways that Peter intends to do that with his believers is by briefly bringing to mind this account of Noah, of Noah and the ark. And that's what we just read there in verses 19 through, through 21. And so what I want to get to eventually is there, there's four things that I want to point out about Noah's faithfulness, about Noah's obedience, and about God's goodness and his faithfulness and the way that he meets his people that I think Peter wants us to see uh, in this text. But first thing I want to do is just I want you, if you got your Bibles open, and again, I hope you do, get them out, look at the text. I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, there's some work that we have to do here. Um, I like what John Piper says, you know, when you, when you rake, you get leaves, but when you dig, you get diamonds. And there are difficult passages in the Bible to interpret and to understand, but we cannot back away from them. And it is our call as disciples, as followers, learners of Jesus Christ to, when we hit these passages like this one this morning, to, to dig in and to seek to understand. And there's no excuse for any of us, okay? It's not just the pastor's responsibility, although part of my job is to help you understand the scriptures, that we can understand them clearly and understand the nature and character of God as he intends. But each one of us has to study to show ourselves approved, workmen who do not need to be ashamed, but who rightly handle the word of truth. And so I hope that we can do that uh, here this morning. So again, let me just begin to read and unpack this and explain, and then eventually I'll point out some stuff that I believe Peter wants us to see about the nature and character of God through Noah that I hope will also sustain our souls as well in the midst of difficulty, just like it would have his, done to his original hearers. Verse 18, again, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And now, that little phrase, made alive in the Spirit, then verse 19, in which... So Peter's now going to follow a rabbit trail. Man, I love Peter. He makes me feel better about myself because I follow rabbit trails all the time. And, and Peter's following a rabbit trail here, but he has a purpose in it. And he says, so in the spirit, and he goes, in which? So when he says in which, he's speaking about in the spirit, in the spiritual realm. Now, this is where um, it gets a little bit difficult, and there are just a plethora of interpretations as to what he means here. And um, I'll give you a couple of the popular ones, then I'll show you the one that I believe uh, is right, <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll go forward. But he says, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. And I like the NASB translation here better. It says, the spirits now in prison. Okay, and that can be implied in the original language. But it says, in which he, Christ, somehow in the spirit, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. And so the, the question is, who is he speaking of here, these spirits that are in prison that he went and proclaimed to somehow? What does that, what does that mean? And why does, Peter, why does Peter word it like this? And there's a couple different interpretations. Again, literally this past week, guys, there's, there's so much commentary written on this and what it means. My mind went numb at one point, reading different commentaries um, and trying to understand this. And it is important uh, but let me just kind of sum it up as best I can. View one is that some people say that what Peter is talking about here is that after Christ died, he went and preached to people in hell, offering them a, check, a second chance of salvation. Is that while he was in the grave for three days, uh, you know, he said, um, today to the sinner on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And they believe that while his body was dead, he went somehow in the spirit and preached to people uh, who rebelled back then and offered them a second chance of salvation. The problem with that is, is that the Bible says that it is appointed unto man to die once and then judgment. There is no second chance, folks. God is extremely merciful. He's extremely gracious, but the testimony of the Bible is that you have this opportunity, you have this one life that you live to make yourself right with God, and the only way that you can make yourself right with God is by coming to Jesus Christ, by putting your faith and trust in him alone. And man, he is, he is, oh man, he is gracious just beyond words, but it's not forever. Please let today be the day of salvation. Come to him today because you're not promised tomorrow, and that's not a scare tactic, that is just the truth. 
It's the truth for each and every one of us. And so I reject view one, that he was preaching to people in hell and offering them a second chance of salvation. View number two is that after Christ died, he went and preached to people in hell, proclaiming to them that he triumphed over them and that their condemnation was final. This one I don't have as much of a problem with, although I still don't think it's probably what Peter is talking about because of the context. Um, but here they say again that somehow while Christ was in the spirit, while his body was in, in the grave, that he went and proclaimed not another offer of salvation, but declaring to these Old Testament believers that they had been triumphed over, that he now uh, made a way um, and that their condemnation was final. Again, probably not uh, straight-up contradictory uh, to some of the other views, but um, again, I don't think it's what he's talking about. View number three, after Christ died, he proclaimed release to people who had repented just before they died in the flood and led them out of their imprisonment in purgatory in heaven. So the problem here is that this, in, in, this uh, implies that there is such a place as purgatory, um, for those of you that aren't familiar with what purgatory is, purgatory is kind of like a holding place after you die for people that haven't really uh, believed um, in Christ, and then they, they believe that in purgatory they will somehow be able to be given a second chance eventually, um, and that, that maybe someday they can make it to heaven. Again, you just don't see it in the Bible. That's just not what the Bible teaches. Um, you have one opportunity in this life, this life that you have to come to come to Christ, and when you die or he comes back, it is, it is too late. So I reject view number three. Number four, after Christ died or after he rose, before he ascended into heaven, he traveled to hell and proclaimed triumph over the fallen angels who had sinned by marrying human women before the flood. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Nephilim? Anybody? There's a, it's another, uh, a little bit of a cryptic passage in Genesis chapter six where it talks about the Nephilim and then there's a lot of debate, and this is what it's essentially talking about here, um, is that they believe Christ went and preached to these, to these fallen angels um, and proclaimed that he had triumphed over them and that they were condemned. Again, I don't think that's what he's talking about. And view number five is the view that I'm going to propose, that this is what Peter is talking about, <clears throat> and that is this, is that when Peter says that he went in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits now in prison, that what he's saying is, is that when Noah was building the ark, Christ, Christ in spirit, again, he had, Christ has always existed, and he came, you know, that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, the incarnation, but he's always existed before that. Um, but he, can't, he was in the spirit, and he was in Noah, preaching repentance and righteousness through Noah at the time that Noah was alive, two unbelievers who were on earth then, but are now spirits that are in prison, and prison is just simply being uh, synonymous with hell. And this is the view that I would propose is what Peter is talking about, is that God's Spirit in the Old Testament before the cross um, would come upon certain people at certain times. One of the tremendous blessings of the New Covenant, we don't have time to go into all this, but you've heard me mention this before, is that part of what makes the time and place in which we live now, this side of the cross, is that for everybody who believes in Jesus, everybody gets the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God's Spirit would come upon certain people at certain times and places. And I believe that what Peter is saying is that Christ in the Spirit was preaching through Noah uh, to proclaim uh, righteousness and a message of coming judgment and to urge people to come, to come to the ark, to come to the ark. And so, again, you can spend a lot more time in that if that type of stuff interests you go for it. <laughs> Read it. But those are kind of the five, different, the five different views on that. And what I want to do now is just kind of roll in, taking that, um, this last view of what I believe Peter's talking about, that it was Christ in the Spirit preaching through Noah then. And the first point I want to make is that Christ was speaking through Noah in his day, and Christ is speaking through us today. This is why I think this is the view, because of the context, this is the view that, that Peter um, would want us to hold and why it's important. It would have been important for Peter's listeners and it's important to us. Is that just like Christ was speaking through Noah back then, folks, God wants to speak through us today. We are his people. If you remember the context of 1 Peter, Peter that for those of you that have been with us as we've been, we've been going through this, is that one of the things he talks about at length right before this section in chapter two is that we are being built as living stones into this spiritual house, a dwelling place for God. 
that his spirit lives in us. And the purpose of all this, we find out in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, is that, that we, were, we were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And Peter is writing to his, his listeners here, who are going through extreme difficulty because of their faith in Jesus Christ and their testimony in him. And he's saying, guys, don't give up. And he's using Noah as an example. And he's saying, look, God was preaching through Noah back then, and you are the Noahs today. You are the people. We are the people. His body, the church in which his spirit dwells, that he wants to speak to the world through. It is an unbelievable privilege and an unbelievable responsibility. And we cannot choose to be silent. Amen? We cannot choose to be silent. We cannot shrink back. God has a mission that he wants to accomplish. And the the primary mission is, yes, we serve people, we love people, and we do things just like Noah, as we'll look at in a little bit, like he did something. He, He was preaching, but he was also building something. He was building this ark. And there's things that God wants us to do. But first and foremost, there is a message that he wants us to share that he wants us to proclaim. And it's not just my job, it's not just the job of some guy that, you you know, other pastors or people that you hear on the radio or television, it is the job of each and every one of us to share this good news, and we cannot be silent. It is Christ's spirit in us that is longing for us to share the gospel. The reason more of us do not experience, actually experience, not just know about, but experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is because we do not share the gospel. Have you ever wondered, I mean, have you ever asked that question, why don't I experience the things that they seem to experience in the book of Acts? Why don't we seem to experience the things, that, the miracles that we read about in the Bible? I would propose to you, maybe not the only answer, but one of the answers is, is that we're not living lives radically on mission where we wake up every morning with this burden and understanding this calling that we are still on this earth for the purpose of sharing the gospel and of calling people that don't know him to know him and also of spurring one another on, speaking, speaking the truth in love. And guys, God has a purpose that he is trying to accomplish. And, and, and I've talked with you about this before, but like so much of purpose in our, and just again in cultural Christianity, in Christendom today, uh, we've made, we've hijacked purpose, and we've made the purpose of purpose all about us, and we've made the purpose of having purpose all about making us feel fulfilled. The purpose of purpose is to accomplish the purposes and plans of God. Guys, think of God. God has something that He wants to do today, just like He did in Noah's day. Just like he did in Joshua's day with Jericho. Just like he did in David's day when he faced Goliath. He has something that he wants to accomplish today, but he has purposed to accomplish it through us. Is that not amazing? Is it not incredible? But listen, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what God wants to do, about what, what we want and just our fulfillment. It's about what God wants to do. I love what Henry Blackaby says. He's written this great book, on all of this called Experiencing God. If you never read that book, I would encourage you to read that book sometime. But he says, we need to stop asking the question, what is God's plan for my life? And just, stop, and just start asking the question, simply, what is God's plan? See the difference? What is God's plans for, who, for, for my life? Because it's all about me and my fulfillment and my personal happiness. No. We've been crucified with Christ. We no longer live. It's Christ who lives in us. This life we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. That's, that's what happens when you come to Christ. You say, Lord, I'm not my own, I'm yours, here you go. It's about his plans and what he wants to do. Have you guys ever been around somebody that just has the uncanny ability to make everything all about them? Don't name names. But I think we all know people like that. And I hope nobody thinks that about me. Maybe they do. God help me. But, like, I mean, I'm talking about even, like, I've seen at times, like, at birthday parties. And it's not this person's birthday, but they're going to make sure that it's all about them. Or I've heard ladies tell stories of bridal showers. (laughs) Where you've got the bride-to-be and 
man, but it's all about this person over here. Guys, it's not about us. And I feel that sometimes in the story of the kingdom of God and what he's trying to accomplish in the earth, we're just supporting actors in his story, and it's just not right. And it's kind of... um, Sorry, I'm going to embarrass my son here, but I guess this is a word that all the kids, I, I've reached the place now where I'm like the old dad that's like, is that what the kids are saying nowadays? Um, but one of the words Ephraim's saying all the time is cringy. Is that a, is that a, is that a word? Anyway, sorry, Ephraim. Um, part of the fallout of being a pastor's kid is you get him, but, but anyway, but he's like, oh, that's cringy. And it's just like, it's cringy. It is cringy when we think it's all about us, because um, it's just not. It's about Jesus. Um, he's the hero, and we're all just, just supporting actors. Uh, and man, let it not be lost on us that it is a privilege and a responsibility that he wants to work through us today. He was speaking through Noah, and, he's, and he wants to speak through us. Secondly, I think the second thing Peter wants to bring to mind is that Noah had to persevere in the assignment that God had for him, and so do we. Again, why does he bring up Noah here to these people that are suffering, to these people that are thinking about stepping back, to these people that are encountering difficulty and now they're, man, I did, they're, they're losing strength. They're losing momentum. It's because, man, Noah persevered and he persevered for a long time. God tells him to do something, first of all, that just sounds a little bit crazy. It had never rained, okay? And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but... Um, at this time in ancient history, it had never rained, and God tells him to build a big boat in the middle of a field. But he says, oh, it's going to rain. You can imagine how he got mocked for that. And then he kept at it, and there's some debate here, too, as far as how long it took. The most common view is that it took him 120 years. I don't think that's probably accurate. I think it was probably more like 75 years that it took him to build the ark when you kind of process the information that's given in Genesis. But either way, Noah had to do, I love what Eugene Peterson says, in fact, I think he has a book by this title, he says, a long obedience in the same direction. Noah walked in a long obedience in the same direction. Noah had need of perseverance, Peter's listeners had need of perseverance, and guys, we have need of perseverance too. Can I just call us out on something? We're wishy-washy, everyone, myself included. In our culture, we want to commit to absolutely nothing. And that's not how the kingdom of God goes forward. The kingdom and mission of God go forward by people who are all in, just like Jesus was all in. Or as we talked about last week, about doubling down. It goes forward, again, by the, in the power of his spirit through people that are, that are all in, whole hog, doubled down, you know sold out, whatever, whatever phrase you want to put in there. And Noah persevered, and it was difficult for a long time, and he ran into all sorts of resistance, but he just did not give up. He just didn't give up. And I just lovingly ask you this morning, are you in a season where you feel like giving up? And if you are in that season, I want to be clear, man, there's no condemnation here, because I've been there a thousand times. Just a thousand times. You have no idea how many times I have quit ministry. I really have. But then God comes around again. He's like, no, keep going. And I just keep plodding along even though I feel worthless about it sometimes because I know what a failure I am. And so if you feel that this morning, what I want to say is just keep going. You just, you just take another step. You know, back in Genesis chapter 6, here's, here's what God says in, in this, the narrative of how he sets up this whole story of Noah and all that he wants to accomplish. In chapter 5, or I'm sorry, in chapter 6, starting in verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and the birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a, right, a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Doesn't mean that he was sinful, okay? 
or I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that he was perfect. It doesn't mean he was sinful. It doesn't mean that he was perfect. But here's what it says. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And then it just says this. What made him righteous? Noah walked with God. That's it. It's like, and I love that imagery because I said, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You just take another step. You just keep going. You walk with God. Even though you don't understand even though you're in pain, even though it's difficult, even though you're actually maybe even a little bit mad and frustrated at people, and sometimes we're afraid to express this, but in our, and again, let God be true and every man a liar. He is always righteous. He is always good. Amen? But if we're honest, at times we're mad at him. And you just take another step. And you just take another step and you just keep going. And sometimes we want these profound answers. You know, I, I forget who I was talking to this past week. I said, you know, the thing we want, and, the th- and I was saying this because it's the thing that I want, is I want God to float over us with his magical pixie dust and just sprinkle us all with it and voila, everything is better forever, perfectly. It's not the way it works. You just take another step and in the end he does work it all together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose I love this little throwaway verse I mean there are no throwaway verses but we skip over these parts of the Bible sometimes at the very end of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae Colossians chapter 4 Paul just is giving instructions to people that he knows are going to read this letter in the church at Colossae and um and he says this Chapter 4, verse 17, say to Archippus, Archippus was a dude, okay, that's a dude's name, say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And that's all we know. The only other place Archippus is mentioned is in the book of Philemon, and we know that Archippus is like a house church leader. He has a church, Paul greets him in the church that meets in his house. So he's some sort of a house church leader, and, and like any, he's just, he's just a common minister, I mean, he's, he's serving in the place, in the city that God has called him to serve, just like all of you are. But he's gotten tired, and he's thinking about giving up. And Paul says, tell Archippus to fulfill the ministry that he has received in the Lord. Archippus, don't quit. If you're Archippus this morning and you feel like giving up, I just feel like God wants to tell you, don't take another step. Even if it's a stumble, even if you feel like you're going to fall, just take another step. Because God is faithful and he will redeem everything and it's not about us, it's about him. And folks, he will see you through. He will see you through. The giftings and callings of God, the Bible says, are irrevocable or irrevocable. I don't know how you say that, but either way. In other words, he ain't changing his mind. Take the next step. Third, um, here in this passage, and kind of goes on the heels of what I just said, that Noah had to persevere and so do we, is that Noah's faithfulness was rewarded and yours will be too. If you look again carefully at the text, he, you know, God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Again, you think it's hard on you waiting, God was waiting too. While the ark was being prepared in, a, in which a few, that is eight persons, okay, um, just eight people, were brought safely through. They were brought safely through water. I have no doubt that at times, as Noah is laboring for probably somewhere between 75 to 120 years, building this ark, preaching the gospel that, it's, uh, that he was given, that it's going to rain, that God's going to judge, but that God has made a way of salvation if you just come to the boat. I have no doubt that there were days where um, he was second-guessing <laughs> kind of his life calling here. Like, really, am I going to do this again today? <laughs> really, God, is this what you have for me? Um, I'm sure there were doubts. I'm sure there were fears. I'm sure there was anxiety. I'm sure there was frustration. And a lot of wanting to just double-check. You ever do that? Like, you know God told you something, but you're just like, things get difficult, and you go back, and you're like, uh, God, can you just, <laughs> just one more time, <laughs> just affirm that? And sometimes he does, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he says, 
just keep going. I'm sure he had a lot of second guesses, guesses, but I'll tell you when Noah didn't have any second guesses. And I'll tell you about when I'm certain that he was very, 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 very glad that he endured. And that was when it started to rain. When that first, I just wonder what it was like when Noah goes into the ark. And again, there's, there's so much detail here I'm leaving out, but the door, there was one way in. One way in and one way out. And the door was massive and it had to be shut by the hand of God. And they do that and they're in there for a little bit. And you're like, okay, well, now's the time. This is what the last, you know, 100 years or so has been for. But nothing's happened. And then all of a sudden, here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. And to many of you this morning, you feel like giving up but that's only because it hasn't started raining yet. It's only because the thing that God has called you to and the promise that you feel that he's made you, you haven't seen it yet. And guys, that's why we have to walk by faith. Yes, in what he says. He will keep his word. He will do what he promised, but not just in what he says, in who he is. Hebrews chapter 11, where Noah is also listed as one of the heroes of the faith, starts off like this. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God, here's what you must believe, these, these things, must believe that he exists. In other words, he, he's real. Like, he, yeah, he's real. And here's the second thing. Of all the things that he could have, could have said, I mean, believe that he exists. And then this, he rewards those who seek him. If God has given you an assignment and you feel like you're you know, building your proverbial ark, but you just don't know why yet, here's what I'm telling you guys. There's going to be a day when it rains. And in that day, in that day, you're not going to question it. You're not going to regret it. And you will be so so happy that you did not give up. That you just, that you just took another step. Um, we love in ministry, we, uh, I was talking with my friend Jason Stevens, who's a pastor of the church down at Carter's Orchard in Dover this past week. Um, and we were talking about how in ministry we love the metric. We, lo- we love something that we can measure. And the problem in ministry is that, that that's hard. Um, I, I don't think I told you guys this story. I feel all of a sudden, I feel like maybe I told you this. If I didn't, or if I did, just pretend like I didn't and just laugh at it anyway. But uh, a while back, I was frustrated with stuff um, just in life, in my own life, in ministry, in the church, and things. And, and uh, as I tend to do, I was ranting to my wife. And, um, and one of the things I said was, I, I said, do you know why I like doing the dishes eight times a day? And I think at that point she was like, what are we even talking about at this, at this point? Like, I, I, said, I said, I love doing the dishes eight times a day because they're dirty and they're on one side of the sink and I can do something about it and I can get them to the other side of the sink and I can know that I've at least seen progress in some small little tiny area of my life. And so doing the dishes has become like therapeutic to me. You know, like, ah, oh. Progress. Terrific. Because at times, especially in ministry, I feel like in every other area of life, I'm like, there's no, I have, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing good. I don't know if I'm doing bad. I don't know if I'm, if I'm really, I mean, I, I'm trying to be faithful to the word. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I'm trying to obey it as best I can. But outwardly, I see nothing. And guys, in each one of our lives at times, God, God will allow us to go through those seasons just to check our hearts. And what he's saying all the time in those things is, why are you doing this? <clears throat> are you doing this for measurable results? Or are you doing this because I told you to do it? And your life is worship unto me. And even if he wants to pour it out into nothingness and, I, and we don't see any results, our job as disciples is still to be obedient to the thing that he's called us to do, folks. And we cannot give up. I, I man, I, 
It's confusing at times. Amen? Don't be afraid. It's all right to say amen to that at times. And you feel you're like, I think I can say that. It's true. It, at times it is. <coughs> but we must endure because there's going to come a day when it rains. Um, and God's, God's going to fulfill his purposes in his work. And lastly, as we kind of ease into here, away from exhortation and just encouragement and the good news, is the last thing I think Peter wants us to get from all of this, you know, stuff of bringing up Moses, or it's not Moses, Noah, and, you know, Christ preaching in the Spirit through him and all this, is that he wants us to be reminded that Jesus is the better ark and that his baptism is the better flood. Let me explain what I mean. Look at uh, the end of 20 and 21. It says, in which, again, a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. He says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. And you're like, oh, wait wait a minute, like baptism? Well, listen, like the actual act of going into the water, not as a removal of dirt from the body. So he's not talking about the outward act that we do but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Is that what Peter's bringing to mind here is that just like there was, God had appointed judgment for those people in the Old Testament, everybody on the face of the earth except for Noah because he walked with God. And God had appointed judgment for them, but because God is good, in that judgment he also appointed a way of salvation through the ark. And the same God who has the right and the authority to judge the world is the same God who has the right and the authority to ordain whatever means of salvation and rescue that he so chooses. And the means of rescue that he chose in the Old Testament as he was going to bring this flood of judgment upon the world was the ark. And now, in an infinitely greater way, this side of the cross, the way that God has chosen to save people from the coming judgment is through the death of his son. Jesus is the better ark, and it is only, it is only through trusting in him, through believing in him, that you can be saved from the judgment that is most assuredly going to come. Um, The ark was made to endure a storm that man could not endure. And Christ also endured for us on the cross that which we could never endure. And he did it because he loves us. And so Peter's, again, alluding to that, bringing that to mind. But then also, and this is even more explicit in the text, he talks about the flood, and then he says baptism, which corresponds to this. And I want you to understand it because this is a beautiful picture. In fact, and it, Conrad's been announcing it the last couple of weeks. It's very practical here. We're going to have another baptismal service on um, September 22nd. So far, we have two people getting baptized. Um, the way we do baptism around here is we just kind of wait for somebody to say they want to get baptized, and then we say, okay, we'll do it, and then we announce it, and we see if anybody else wants to. So if you still want to get baptized, please let us know. But here's just a beautiful picture of why it matters, is that Peter's saying that um, just as the flood came in because of the wickedness of sin, because all the thoughts of man's hearts were only evil continually, God's judgment came and the flood washed it all away. Baptism, when we roll out the old feed trough here, okay, and we put you down under and and we bring you back up, we're picturing that his baptism is the better flood. That guys, whatever part of your life was worthy of judgment, listen to me, this is such good news. Whatever part of your life is worthy of judgment, and all of us are worthy of it, it's been judged. You don't have to fear judgment anymore because it's been judged. It's been washed away at the cross. Every single human being that has ever existed, their sin will be judged, either at the cross And we will hide ourselves in the ark that he is and find refuge from the wrath of God or we will be judged for eternity forever in hell. Even though it's not very popular to say anymore, the Bible doesn't change. 
And through and through, one of the things that the Bible warns us about is that this judgment absolutely is coming because God absolutely is holy, he absolutely is righteous, and he absolutely will not wink at sin or sweep it under the rug. It's either judged at the cross or it's judged at his throne and will be sentenced to eternity forever in hell. (laughs) But for those of us that have received him, the reason we baptize is outwardly, again, it's not about the removal of dirt uh, from the flesh, as he says here, but it's a picture of what it represents, is that yes, we were worthy of judgment, that's why we believed in him, we said that we deserved to die and that only he could save us from our sins, we go under, we die with him, but then we come back up, we are raised with him, and part of that raising along with it comes a cleansing. And I just want to ask you this morning, and again, hear me here because I'm going to use the word feel, and, and feelings don't always matter, but yet they can kind of matter. But if you know Christ as Savior, I want to ask you this, do you feel clean? Do you feel that you're clean? Listen to me, because if you've been born again, you are. You've been made clean. Your sin has been judged. It's been washed away. The old things have passed away all things have become new. And God wants us to live in this newness. When, no, when the sub subsided and the ark was left on Mount Ararat, Noah came out to an entirely new world. It was just him and his family. They didn't do such a good job. I mean, you know, grew some grapes, made some wine, got drunk. Um, if you guys know that story, it wasn't wasn't good, but in, in a much greater way. God wants for us to live this new life that comes from the cleansing flood of his baptism in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, if you believed in Christ, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of one body, though many are are one body, so it is with Christ. For, listen, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is what the primary, if you ever read about John the Baptist in the Gospels, this is what he's preaching over and over and over again. Is that there's one coming who's, who, man, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He goes, I ba- I'm baptizing you with water. He goes, that doesn't, like, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit is that when you believe in Jesus, the thing that changes your life is that the Spirit of God comes into your spirit in you and he washes you, he cleanses you. And you are now positionally, because your spirit is perfect in him, you are made righteous before him. You are not dirty anymore. And to say that you are positionally dirty is to misunderstand the power of the blood of Christ. Is that those whom he saves, he saves to the uttermost. Man, you think the flood was something, a worldwide flood. I mean, it was was serious. (laughs) But that ain't nothing compared to what Jesus did, folks. He came to wash away your sin. And he did it not so that we could just doubt and at times... You know, even when we sin and we we still mess up practically, that we still have a fountain that we can run to and always know that we're clean and have our sin forgiven and washed away. Worship team, you can come up. We're going to close. I want you just to bow your heads with me, please, as we close. Um. I, I, just, I just feel this morning that um, that there's some who maybe are feeling like they want to give up. And uh, as I already said, I completely understand, believe me. I think everybody understands. <laughs> it's difficult at times. But I just want to remind you that There's going to be a day 
when it begins to rain. When God fulfills his promises. Um, and the greatest promise that we have is that just like he died for our sins, he was also raised. And we still live here on this earth, you know, in the in-between. And we've experienced that death and we've experienced the resurrection in our hearts, but we don't, haven't fully experienced the fullness of the resurrection that is to come. You know, in the story of Noah, there's one other thing that happened at the end of that story, and that is that God gave a promise. And of course, he kind of sealed the promise, put his stamp on it, his signature, with putting a rainbow in the sky. Um, and just like Christ Jesus, I believe, is the better ark, his flood is the better baptism, but his ascension, his resurrection, uh, it's also the better rainbow. It's the better promise. And even if you don't believe it this morning, because believe me, there's been times in my life and seasons in my life where I've not fully believed it. Like I believed it, but I didn't really believe it. I don't know how else to say it. Like I knew it, but I just wasn't really feeling that it was true. I just want to let you know that I just want to believe it for you this morning. Um, and again, each one of us, we, we all have to choose. Hear me, I can't, you know, we can't live through somebody else. But, but I just want to let you know that by the grace of God, I do, I believe it for you this morning. And if you feel like giving up, listen, just don't. If you feel like giving up in your marriage, if you feel like giving up in your calling, if you feel like giving up in your parenting, if you feel like giving up in your job, whatever it is, wherever God has you, just take another step with him. Guys, he's good. He is good. He is good. He is so good. And man, it's difficult sometimes. But we have to endure. We got to keep going. And again, if, if you would, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, um, if you would be willing this morning just to say, Eric, that's where I'm at, would you just put your hand up real quick? And just say, Eric, that's where I'm at. I just don't know. I think I believe you, but help my unbelief. Yeah. I just want to pray for you. Father, we, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, who saves us from our sin and who is Emmanuel, who is God with us. Father, I pray for those that responded this morning and for all of us here, Lord that you would come near and that you would give the strength that you promised in order to help us live the life that you've called us to. Um, help us to remember that there's going to be a day when it rains because you're not a liar. You always keep your promises. You've never, you've never failed, ever. Lord, we rejoice in that this morning and we just continue to worship by coming to your table and just remembering your sacrifice and your endurance and all that it accomplished for us. Thank you so much for loving us, Lord. Help us just simply to believe you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand with me as we just continue to worship. If you're helping serve communion.